0: Welcome to the new Target 50 podcast series right here on the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Over the next few episodes we're discussing the practicalities of farming to keep the minimum recommended levels of 50% ground cover in the system. Keeping our farming systems protected from wind erosion and soils healthy and sustainable is key. Hi, I'm Tegan Buckley from Mallee Sustainable Farming. I'm joined by Daniel Shupan, Livestock Consultant with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Based at Jamestown, but working across South Australia, Daniel has a passion for the sheep and cattle livestock industries. He has a keen interest in designing profitable and sustainable livestock grazing systems that best suit the capabilities of an individual's farm. Daniel has a range of skills and his current role involves advising farmers on animal health, nutrition, pastures, grazing management, livestock watering systems, and livestock enterprise improvement and planning. In this episode, Daniel and I are chatting about livestock management and grazing strategies to maintain ground cover. Quick disclaimer though, the information provided in this episode is intended as a guide only, and we recommend that you chat with your own professional livestock consultant for advice tailored to your own situation. Thanks for joining us in this episode, Daniel. You've worked with many farmers over the years, but we would love to know what are the most common practices that you see in farming enterprises that successfully manage low rainfall livestock systems?
1: Hi, Tegan, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to share some of my experiences with managing livestock and ground cover. I think we can break your question down into two areas. Firstly, what the farms are doing in the office planning their sheep and cattle enterprises. And secondly, what actions and monitoring farms are doing out in the paddock. As you mentioned, my job involves me working with many farmers and it was only last year when I was standing out in the paddock with a farmer trying to work out a grazing plan, which wasn't easy at the time. And he said to me, sometimes it just doesn't rain out here and that's why it's called the Mallee. So reflecting on this, I find that successful managers in low rainfall areas respect that it is low rainfall and they know the land's capabilities. As a result, I see they have sound business models that reflect those limitations. Tegan, look, I regularly come across three things that successful managers are doing as a result of good planning, and these are, number one, they get the basic right. So they have simple systems and get operations done on time. I'm talking here about lambing times, shearing times, having good pastures, marketing plans, genetics and disease control. Number two, they expect the unexpected. So have strategies in place that allow flexibility and flag when things are changing. And number three, they have flexible strategies. So successful producers I work with have strategic plans but they also have tactical plans for the what-ifs just to manage that seasonal variation we see. Um, they're very disciplined to stick to the plans and, yeah, they make decisions and make them early. So just make the best decision on the day and then move on. But getting these three things right just allows for greater consistency in profits and making money in most years, not just the good years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how do they manage ground cover?
1: Uh, the number one thing is setting a stocking rate. Um, it's the most important step. Look, it's just it's not easy to set a sustainable stocking rate and It's the hardest thing to do in a livestock business. Most producers in low rainfall, we look, tend to yeah be conservative side and reduce numbers accordingly to a run of poor seasons, or just potentially just change the sale time so stock to reduce their stock numbers. Um, secondly, there's yeah, look it's important to out in the paddocks to monitor, us, so know what fifty percent count ground cover looks like. Maybe have some photo standards that you can yeah, pull out and have a look at. Um, and just stay disciplined that when these, when these um, targets are re- reached, the stock are removed. So, unfortunately, some, some years have just made me not grazing some paddocks at all. And, yeah, like, like I say to some producers when we're sitting around the uh, kitchen table, which is um, we shouldn't have any, yeah, but, so, yeah, but it's going to rain, or yeah, but I'm busy, or I can't move those sheep, or yeah, but they're lambing, so I can't shift them, or yeah, but I have no hay and grain. Um, Yeah, but they're my favourite sheep. I don't want to um, sell them. So we just really want no, yeah, buts. Um, So um, a lot of the times, yeah, that stocking rate is a little bit hard to um, manipulate really easily when you're a long way from markets or um, you don't want to bring stock in. So generally that feed gap um, will be filled by supplementary feeding. So those that like a good night's sleep, generally producers I work with, they'll have, yeah, enough feed to feed their core breeders every day for maybe one to two years. And I guess really at the end of the day, we probably should call it an asset, that feed on hay rather than an opportunity cost. So, um, and at the end of the day, um, just cause we can't manipulate those stocking rates a lot, um, you really got to have a system in place that utilises that excess feed in a good year. So we're just not wasting that excess feed.
0: Moving on to a scenario where I'm going to try and set the scene of a typical year. It's the end of the season. We've harvested some crops and we have some stubbles. Depending on the year, there's going to be varying quality. But let's just assume that they're adequate maybe 70 to 80% ground cover with a standing stubble, stubble in cereals, very much less maybe 50 or 60% in legume stubbles and there's a bit of grain on the ground for the sheep as well. Um, and we also have some sheep on spray top pastures and ground cover would be on the rapid decline here. So, what do you think we need to start thinking about in terms of managing the feed situation and the ground cover at this time of the year?
1: Yeah, October November is just a great time to do a feed budget for over summer. Uh, generally, yeah, you'll know how much feed you got in that paddock, as you suggested, and um, you're not going to grow any more, more feed till next season. And if you get, if we do get those summer rains, just count them as a bonus. And at the end of the day, you're probably going to spray spray most of it out anyway. So. Um, yeah, producers, yeah, hop in the ute, go for a drive and drive around and assess the food on offer in every paddock. So sort of assess how many weeks you might have in each paddock or you might have to even wait till after harvest just to see how much spilt grain, um, et cetera, has been thrown out the back of the header. So you can make a decision there there, there and there in October, will will my um, spray top paddocks or my medic paddocks get us through till harvest? Um, do we need to, to reduce stocking rate now? Um by yeah, obviously selling or confining, yeah. How long will those stubbles last? Um, when do we when do we remove those stock and lock them up? Do we do it now before Christmas, before harvest, or do we wait? Um, yeah, have you planned to save your lambing paddock so you don't get to lambing and you've got absolutely no feed left? Um, and it, sometimes just remember too that um, in those poorer years, the feed quality is actually better, so uh, less fibre in the stubbles and this. Sheep will tend to eat do really well on them, eat most of it, but unfortunately if they eat most of it, you're, you're destroying your ground cover.
0: Yeah, all good points for producers to consider, that's for sure. So what are the trigger points to know when it is time to pull the pin on grazing in your cereal stubble, legume stubble, stubble and pasture paddocks?
1: Yeah, Tegan, look, the trigger point is just well before that 50% ground cover that you mentioned as your minimum at the start. Um Yeah, And just remember that if you're pushing those boundaries, you are going to get some natural breakdown of that um, feed or that stubble um, over time. So if you you push the boundary, that's going to decrease over time. So yeah, it's probably going to be well before that.
0: Yep. So sheep don't graze evenly and sometimes, you know, we get the blowouts on a sand hill here or there. How do we maximise grazing on stubbles without the
1: blowouts? the number one thing to do in your grazing system is set up a really good water watering system. So water point location is the most important. Uh, look, it's, it, I'll tell you what, it's not easy sometimes to find a suitable spot in a paddock. So ideally we want those water points in the centre of the paddock on some heavy soil or, or rocky surface. Um, if that's not possible, which a lot of times it isn't, uh, we really got to then sort of look halfway along a fence line just just to allow that natural grazing arc from the livestock to sort of come in and graze out from that water point. Um, The worst case scenario, just don't put it in the corner of the paddock where it was probably always put or um, don't have it into the prevailing winds with the stuff you're going to camp around it. So I use a rule of thumb that um, stocks should not walk more than sort of five to 700 metres to graze and for a drink in the cereal zone, and that seems um, fairly fairly good. So, um, yeah, look... When setting up your water points, some key factors that you really got to take into account is that we want that water nice and cool and clean. Um, yeah, livestock like cool, clean water, and really the one you got to focus on is the flow rate. So flow rate into your troughs is absolutely critical. Um, I sort of aim at that liter per second um, that those troughs never empty and there's always water, water in the trough. So don't don't store your water in your your troughs store water in tanks, so um, we don't need don't need large troughs. It's one of those things if the stock start to learn that there's always water in those troughs, they won't come in and rush it. Um, so you won't see big mobs run into the water. And just be patient; it's it's a learned behaviour that they know there's always water there, and they'll come in and out through the day. That there's um, yes, yeah, in smaller mobs, say so to drink, and you won't get that bearing out around the water points.
0: Do you have any examples of some grazing strategies that producers might be able to take on board?
1: Yeah, once you have your watering system planned for across your property, uh, you may not do that all at once, but over time you might improve it. Well, then we're going to work out a, a grazing strategy. So, what we're looking at this is your rotation length, the how long um, sheep or grazing duration, how long the sheep are actually in a paddock. I, I like having sheep in a paddock for about a week. I think it's a um, yeah, good compromise. And even if there's still still feeding there, you can move on. So take take a pick out of the paddock, and then maybe come back on a second and third rotation. So um, I have a, yeah have a producer now that if he sees sheep camping in a paddock, um, he gets really upset, and he'll shift them within two to three days rather than that week. So um, by doing this, you're gonna you're gonna achieve um, less tracking in the paddock, less camping less selective grazing, less trampling of the feed, and it's really stopping those sheep getting in bad habits or those cattle getting bad habits or sitting on sandhills. And by doing this potentially, if you can get an extra two two days from each paddock, this can add up over time and give you an extra bit of grazing at the end of the season.
0: So what are your thoughts around time-consuming factors constantly shifting stock around then, Daniel?
1: Well, I guess we can debate. It seems, seems time-consuming shifting stock every week, but um, if it means... Having bigger mobs and less mobs um, Actually could be more labour efficient So I guess It sort of leads into an interesting Discussion on mob size um, That you, we all have all the time And at the end of the day a little mob Of 30 to 50 in a large paddock For a long time may not do much Damage but my question is that yeah, How labour efficient is this going around And checking the water points all the time Although If you set up Technology this can potentially change that um, on the flip side, if if you have a large mob of a thousand more in a paddock, this can do a lot of damage really quickly in a really short period of time if you're not in balls. So, so look at the end of that, you might just have to uh, compromise and yeah, find out what works on on your farm. So, um, yeah, getting that water right, rotation right, is really important, and then paddock size um, is the third thing that we need to look at. And look, the smaller the paddocks are better, but that's not practical in most circumstances, and Potentially a tool that you need to start using is use of temporary electric fencing. So it might just be a, a large paddock, split it in half, so then that gives you that two paddock rotation that you can swap them over every week. And from experience, we can get a lot extra grazing just by a simple swap from one paddock to the next, and we should be able to um, yeah, improve our grazing there. And uh, Or it might be just be a strategy of fencing off those sand hills that are, that are blowing out all those areas that they're camping on or, or if you identify areas in the paddock that are below that 50 to 70% ground cover, uh, they're the areas we can fence off using temporary electric fencing.
0: Yeah, good one. So where we have lots of drift, are there any animal health implications we need to consider?
1: Um, look, lack of feed is going to be, at the end of the day, your number one animal health consideration because if there's drifting, there's not going to be any feed there. But you will get out animal health issues such as summer pneumonia potentially pink eye, um, low yielding wool, 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 wool with getting sand in the backs, if they're grazing that close to the ground, if they're going to be ingesting a lot of sand or fine particles that will stay in the rumen and, and intestines and that really affects your digestibility and the productivity of that animal.
0: So containment lots are becoming more and more popular in the Mallee and useful to help manage feed gaps but come with a cost of having to supply feed and also farmers are tied to you know, the daily feeding regime. I can understand that if you don't have the labour time or feed available, this can delay your decision to remove stock from paddocks. So I'd love to know um, when do we know when it's finally time to move stock into containment without it becoming a decision made too late?
1: Uh, Tegan, I think we're going to change that mindset about the cost and uh, labour involved of confining stock. Um, even in a livestock system, your soil is number one, so we need to protect that. Um, that's our asset that we obviously grow feed from um, for our livestock. So so if you've got that strategic plan that we spoke about that you've done in October or you've done it from the year, um, you'll see see it, the time coming two to four weeks out so you can start to prepare. And um, Even if your calculations are a little bit out, um, you'll see it coming. So, Those confinement areas, they can be used not only, yeah, at the end of summer into autumn, they can be used before harvest or you might use them early to save those paddocks to lamb into and at the end of the day there's a lot of people now confining their um, replacement ewes coming through at the break of the season so just to reduce that stocking rate at the break of the season.
0: When do we consider taking them out at the other end of the season in terms of ground cover? Any indications there we should be looking for?
1: Yeah, it's one, it's one of those things. that's really just is there enough feed out in the paddock and there's enough moisture for that feed to keep growing. So that's where it's going to be at, or depending on your time of lambing. Uh, if, if they're close to lambing, those animals have, or well, those ewes need to come out and go into their dedicated lambing paddocks, or you may have, have actually, instead of having confinement areas, you might have small confinement paddocks set up for still doing full feed but lambing down in conf- confining areas if you haven't got that cover out in the paddocks.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately drought years force us to make tough decisions regarding feeding stock, particularly when grain prices are high and so delaying decisions can really impact negatively on the condition of livestock and the land. How can we make sure uh, we make the right decisions more often than not? Like what can we do to prepare in advance to make sure the decisions are easier to make?
1: Yeah, it comes down just to a feed budget and have it, have it on a piece of paper in front of you and it can be quite simple and it gives you direction so you know where you're heading. Um, it's, it's going to tell you how much hay and grain needs to be fed daily to those animals, uh, it gives you the cost, how much it's going to cost you for that period, how much hay and grain. So um, I've got a simple one-pager and it can tell you how much feed we need for 6, 8, 12 months or even more. So yeah, just get it, on, get it down on a piece of paper and to give yourself some direction.
0: Ah oh, thanks for that Daniel. So to finish off, what are your top three messages for growers when it comes to making sure that we maintain ground cover in a livestock system?
1: Num- number one is really to know what your ground cover requirements are on on your soil types um, and what they look like. Number two would be to improve your grazing management skills. so set up a really good water system so you've got no limitations with water across your property. then work out what sort of um rotation length or grazing duration you want in each paddock and that way you can sort of set what size mobs and paddock sizes that works comfortably on your farm. And finally, um, yeah, it's quite simple, just be disciplined. Don't don't blame sheep or cattle for the paddocks blowing away. It's not their fault.
0: Definitely. So in summary, making decisions early enough is really important and keeping an eye on your ground cover. Thanks, Daniel, for joining us and for sharing your insights.
1: Thanks, Tegan. Um, Yeah, wish you all well.
0: That was Daniel Shupan from Nutrien Ag, chatting all things ground cover and livestock on the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Thanks, Daniel, for joining us. Don't forget to share this episode with a mate if you took some value away from it. And be sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.